Brian Holtz is a social media and creative marketing agency owner, husband, father, DJ, global citizen, keynote speaker, and is proud to bring you the Ryan Holtz Show Podcast. Another episode of the Ryan Holtz Show podcast. Oh man, today, full transparency, full disclosure. We're always talking about, you know, trying to be perfect at our game and our craft. Uh, prior to getting to my next guest, I admitted to him that I talked for an hour with my previous guest. It was beautiful. We talked about being um, self aware, being in the moment, having that, you know, brain driven. And then we both figured out that we forgot to press record. This is the life <laughs> of podcasting business. Things are always not going to go your way, but I think it's important for us always to be honest about that, upfront about that. Every day is not great. That being said, you know, I got a wealth of knowledge from my previous guest. We're going to reschedule it. All is okay. We actually shared a laugh over it, but how life works, uh, just like we played football, it's next play. So my next guest's name is John Saunders. He's the uh, proud owner of uh, 5-4 Digital, which is a marketing and creative agency. Um, John's been on my Instagram for, it seems like, quite a while. At least, I don't know, a year and a half. Over a year Yeah, and a half. yeah, it's been a while, something, man. It's been a while. Something like that. Um, John is, uh, you know, a speaker. He's uh, completely, like, crazily process-driven. Um, he is very opposite from me on that aspect. So I'm <laughs> really looking, I'm really looking forward to um, kind of talking to him about process because I think that in business and especially when you start scaling and things like that, you know, you need to have processes in order, especially when you, you know, want to be with your family and spend time. You need to make sure that everything's on the up and up. Uh, John also just came out with a book, um, which is really cool. And I'll let him talk about that uh, during the show. But uh, John, man, welcome to the show, my man. Thank you. Thank you, Ryan, for having me, man. I'm super, super honored to be here. I'm excited to talk about process. Some of your viewers might be like, process, this sounds super boring, but I'm telling you, man, once we get into it, they're, uh, I think they're going to get some value from it. No, man. And everybody who's listening to the podcast, you, you can't see the video, but when you see the video, I, I see the minimalist in the background. He's got his 5'4". He's got his, uh, <laughs> his, little t- his little laminate or hardwood going on. Yeah, he's got, yeah, he's got the clean. board. Yeah, he's got the board. Super clean, super minimal. If I look at John's Instagram and he's showing himself, I would say 75% of the time he's wearing a gray shirt. He has a bald <laughs> head. So we're going to talk a lot about the uniform mentality. And I know that's specific. Um, he's very processed. Very observant, man. I like very, that. Very observant. Very <laughs> observant. Um, so, John, let's let's kick right into it, man. So you got a marketing company, uh, your father, your husband. Um, where are you based exactly again? Where, where in the States? I am based in beautiful Pembroke Pines. It's about maybe 25 minutes north of Miami, Florida. Okay, okay. So you're in the Florida, so you're getting a lot of that humid weather. Kind of, I call it like the Caribbean a little bit, right? Oh, yeah, no, definitely, man. It's, it's super humid. Right now, it's been rainy like yeah. every day for the last five days. But otherwise, man, it's a, it's a, like a tropical paradise. A little humid and, sometimes, but... <laughs> and, to all, and to all you fellow bald heads out there, I was telling John, I'm like, listen... If, if, if I was like, if I go to my back to my roots, which is in Jamaica and I, and I even have a bald head there, like it's not, I have to wear a hat. Like I, I will be dripping of sweat. So all you bald fellow guys out there, man, you're doing it good. John's got his baldness on deck. Bald squad. And- <laughs> let's go. Just throw some sunscreen up there and you're good to go, man. Yeah. So, okay. Let's kick into it. So business, how did you get into business? You know, what were you doing before that? Why yeah. marketing? 
Um, and truth be told, you know, and, and, I'll, and I'm very direct about this. There's not a lot of, you know, brothers and black folks in this space in a large kind of forefront to the public way. You know, a lot of there's a lot of black folks that are in marketing and digital, but, you know, a lot of them are kind of in the back, in the forefront, not not so much in the forefront. Even when I look at, you know, a lot of conferences and I look at the speaking decks and stuff like that, you don't see a lot of brothers up there, you know, in that in that space. So I think when I originally seen John, I just thought, oh, wow, that's that's, that's kind of cool, you know, and he's he's doing his game, you know, to a to a 100 level, which I I really respect. So how did you get into marketing? How did you get into business? And how does that encompass with your personal life? Because I'm big on I want to know why and why this impacts your personal and your professional. Got it. Got it. No, no, definitely. So I I got into marketing probably around 19. I was I was in college. I started at 18 and I was in a local college in West Palm, which is probably about an hour north of where I am now. And um, I just really liked David Ogilvy. He's a classic marketer, 1950s, 60s, like old school madman type of dude. He worked on Volkswagen and Marlboro and all these classic ads. And at first, I just wanted to be a copywriter. Like I wanted to write ads, write billboards. And this is, I was 19, I'm 33 now. So this is before digital just took over, right? Mm. So my biggest thing was, okay, how can I get into the space? And so my mom, who's a teacher of, of 33 years, in uh, elementary school, she was like, you know, she wanted to start tutoring on the side. So I was like, okay, well, how can I help her facilitate that? So I went online, I did a couple searches, I found a YouTube video and I found out about WordPress, which is everyone knows is one of the top CMSs in the universe. So I went on to YouTube, I watched like a 20 minute video, purchased hosting, set up my website and then I started posting flyers locally and she started to get leads and I'm like this is crazy like I had an idea I made it tangible by creating a website and now I'm able to drive traffic I'm like yo this is this is what I want to do so I ended up getting a job at a bank you know I had a beat up Tercel I used to have to take my shirt off and drive (laughs) with my wife beater because it was so hot and then put my shirt on when I got to work it was yeah it was serious man so um you know when I got that bank job I tried to get into the marketing department started out as a teller ended up becoming a personal banker I tried to get into the marketing department and kind of wiggled my way in there with some ideas and thoughts but they didn't really take me seriously and so on the side I was doing marketing for friends and family and then I finally landed a position at an agency small agency the founder Chris Herman who's one of my mentors uh, it's actually an automotive advertising agency and that's why we connected at first because I had been in that space for for a long time so when I got hired I was just doing the HTML social media that was it that was basically like what I knew um, and then as digital started to take over the boss gave me the role of hey I want you to kind of manage this and see where it goes ultimately we were able to build the company we're working with audi range rover land rover a lot on the west coast on the specific dealership groups mm. and uh dude it was it was amazing man we were one of the first agencies to do facebook ads and, and run these um giveaways and competitions and i was there for four years and ended up becoming marketing director mm. and so this is about five years ago and we were doing primarily automotive digital stuff. So I wanted to kind of branch out and do more local, more um, mm. more, more diverse type of businesses. So mm. I left that job and I sat down with the founder who's still my friend to this day. We actually still do work for them. And I told him, you know, I want to kind of branch out. I want to do different things. And he had me in there for three hours just talking to me and telling me and, and, and again, trying to get me to stay. But ultimately, my mind was made up. And so mm. that's when I launched 5.4 Digital. Mm. And that was about 
five years ago. Five years ago in May. So mm. it's been it's been amazing, man. It really has been amazing. Um, you know, I'm working from my home office right now. I have an entirely remote team of, of staff and team members, and this digital landscape continues to change. And I just want to ride this wave. Why did you not like the? Uh, did you not? Was there like did automotive just? not do it for you or did you find it a little mundane did you i mean i come from this space and uh and I, this is still i and this is a fact when i was i actually worked at an auto dealership for one year as a marketing internet director we became the first dealership ever to be verified at the dealership level by twitter that's fact there's a case study on their website for that and we were on the same page featured for success stories as barack obama and coca-cola what made wow. this really what made this really interesting though was it wasn't the manufacturer. It was an actual dealership that got yeah. on the same success story page. And I did that in eight months. And we had That's that awesome. we had that guy from the blind side, that big black dude who is the co-star. He actually was doing like a, some sort of media thing in our city. And I tweeted to him at the time. This is before this was all cool. And I said, we would love to give you a demo ride in exchange that you just tweeted out. So he came into the dealership and this is all on social media. So the automotive awesome. space I know extremely well. I'm still in it. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of things that are on the up and, and down about automotive. You know, a lot of people who work in that space, you know, you're you're fighting with a lot of... I, I can't speak for California or Florida, but there's a lot of disconnect between the manufacturer and the dealer level. So sometimes when you're marketing, we find that it's not one voice of marketing. It's 12 different voices, yeah. which ultimately yeah. makes the marketing look really weird. So for you, exactly. did you did you did you kind of come into that, or was it a personnel thing, or why did you say, you know, I, I don't want to just focus on automotive, I want to kind of cut my teeth on other industries? No, that's a great question. And the thing I liked about automotive is my team, my team and the staff and my boss, they were open to new opportunities. So when I was like, hey, we need to optimize the sites for SEO, for local community-based pages, we need to focus on social media, do giveaways, increase our email uh, campaign. So it kind of let me get into the space and see where I wanted to go. The, the thing that I didn't like is there were so many restrictions in regards to automotive, right? You have the manufacturers coming down where you can't you can't say certain things, you can't do certain things. They're very like stringent in regards to the way you're messaging and your positioning. And so it kind of limited us in the ways that some of these platforms like dealer.com, before it was like amazing yeah. platform it is now, we had a lot of limitations. And I felt as though I could help local businesses at more of a grassroots level because I could control the entire website. I can control the entire lead acquisition and funnel. And so that's what I did. And I was doing it on the side anyway, because we were dealing with primarily automotive. I was helping friends and family just do their stuff for free. And I got more satisfaction from helping local businesses as opposed to, to automotive. Interesting. Interesting. What do you feel about being in, in, in marketing that you... Do you feel like you have to con like convince the client that they need marketing? Do you feel like sometimes that creative kind of, you know, oomph that us marketers love gets a little watered down by almost almost being a business consultant because when you're marketing a business, it's imperative that you understand how that business is ran to a degree and then what their messaging is. And there's a lot of terrible business people out there where you're like, oh my God, just because your mom and dad started this company, you know, 10, <laughs> 15, 20 years ago, you know, and you're not going to tell the client that, but you're like, I don't think you're the person that should be in this number one spot. You're, you might be a number two or number three, but you're, yeah. not, a, you're not a CEO, like you, maybe a CFO, your numbers person. Do you feel like, how have you managed, okay, I want to market for this business, 
but I'm not trying to do management or business consulting or do you feel they blend? What's your experience been with that? With just, you know, going out and working with clients? It's, it's really, for me, it's been contingent on, on the client type. And so in the beginning, when I launched the agency, I was just working with anybody I could. I was like, I need to get my name out there. I need to generate case studies and I need to have a book of business that I can, that I can leverage. And so in the beginning, I was taking on everybody. And sometimes you water down your services when you're doing this, you're doing this, you're doing this, you're doing this. And you know what they say, the riches are in the niches, right? And when you can niche down, you can specifically help a, a niche that you like and that you enjoy. And then you can also charge a premium because you're specialized in that. So for me, it, it, it really depends on the client type. We have clients where they have a full marketing team, right? And I'm more so a, a consultant where I'll come in and I'll help them structure and create a process within their marketing agency, or they might outsource copy or, or SEO to us or specific task-based services. Um, and then you have some clients where they're just like, they don't really know what to do, right? They're great at providing a service to the customer, but they're not great at finding new clientele. So what I usually like to do is 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 kind of vet them in the beginning. Like we have a form on our site uh, at 54digital.com where you go and you fill out the form and based on the answers that you that you um, that you answer, you get a specific type of email. So if their budget is a certain number, then we'll we'll um, we'll refer them to another agency. Or if they're looking for a specific service that we might not specialize in, we let them know on the call, hey, just let you know, we, we collaborate with this agency. So that way we can kind of vet that customer before they're they're in the middle or the middle of the funnel and then be able to assess them that way. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. So, but if you were to look at marketing, you're not selling, like you're not selling something you touch. You're selling something yes. that's kind of poof. Do you ever sometimes walk into your office or lose track of, wait a sec, what the hell are we doing? Not in the sense of, you know what you're doing, but there's this, you know, kind of error that you're selling and the error becomes different depending on the client, depending on the industry and depending on what you're doing. And, and I've, I've talked to a lot of marketers before and really it's, and it's amazing. Some of them, they're kind of thinking, I don't know if I like this as much as I did anymore. Or I find I'm getting bogged down with you know, all these client handholding relationships that we're doing. Have you experienced any of that? Because marketers might, and you know, as soon as these smartphones came out, everybody was a social media manager and a marketer. And, you know, <laughs> it, it, I mean, the, the space got so bloody uh, saturated. You know, when I think of marketing, I'm like Seth Godin's, you know, I'm like these godfathers, you know, <laughs> like you, you walk into a company and you're like, you can't just call your receptionist a social media manager. You can't just call your <laughs> your your sister-in-law a social media manager because they post about their clothes on IG. Like there's this novelty that comes with this. So how do you how do you address this? And sarcastically, what do you want to say to that? You know, like just if you're yeah. gonna go unfiltered and transparent. I don't want an educational answer. I, I just want how you feel. Yeah. No. No. I- I agree. Listen, the marketing industry right now, everybody is a digital marketer. Everybody, <laughs> it's a low cost to entry, right? You yes. can go on YouTube, watch one video, a boom, now you're an expert. But I, I think the <laughs> the biggest thing for me is is just providing the value up front. Because me, I'm I'm not the best sales guy. Yeah. I when I when I talk to a client or a customer, I'm really just provide trying to provide them with value. That's my biggest thing. Like, hey, this is what I think you should do. Sometimes I, I provide too much value up front and <laughs> sometimes I need to work on that. But essentially <laughs> for me, it's it's 
the way that I get clients is mostly referral based and then also based on the content that we put out. So someone will reach out to me and be like, hey, I just saw your video on YouTube. I wanted to collaborate and work with you. So me, it's proving the worth before walking in the room where when you're walking in, you already have the upper hand because they've seen your case studies, they've seen your videos, they've reached out to you, or maybe you reached out to them and, and told them how to solve a specific problem. And I think that can help you differentiate yourself against another guy that's just you know peddling some marketing services and churning clients out month over month. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I agree with that. So uh, providing up for, upfront value, like, I mean, you know, content marketing, you're big on that. You like to give a lot of little tips and tricks, you know, on your on your IG and stuff like that. You like to give a lot of, you know, tips on, you know, you're even talking about Pocket. I think you did a video on LinkedIn about the app Pocket, yeah. which is a fantastic app, right? I, oh, it's I'm awesome. Using, I've been using Pocket almost since like Pocket came out. And it was, yeah, the, man. It, was the, it was the one app that I finally said, oh, this makes sense. Like, it's just so streamlined. I and there's agree. T- I there's agree. times when I go throughout the day and I'm like, okay, wh- what was I reading again? I'm like, wait a sec. I don't even have to think about that anymore. Pocket. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yes, that was the article. And I do like that. So you give these little tips and tricks, which ultimately, you know, places you as 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 an authority. Now, that being said, you're not a great salesperson. So majority of your inbound leads is coming from your content. How and why? How did you figure out hey, I'm not the best salesperson and this is how I get inbound leads. How did you figure that out through the course of kind of your professional career? Uh, for me, I've pretty much been an introvert my, my entire life. I, I've kind of forced myself out to talk to people and, and be and be in networking environments and make sure that I'm putting myself out there because you have to put yourself in uncomfortable positions in order to grow, right? That's just yep. what it is. 100%. So for me, it's easier for me to Get in front of the camera, be wild, be fun, be rambunctious when there's no one there. And it, it, ultimately, video video marketing has made it so much easier for me to speak in public to people, network, do things like this with you and I. Because talking to the camera, you kind of get used to how you speak, the specific words you use, your word flow. And so at first, even if you look at some of my old videos from like four years ago, I'm like, hey, guys, this is John. What's going on? <laughs> hope all is well. Now it's like, what's going on? It's John D. Saunders. I hope all is well. So I can... I tell anyone that's introverted, just start creating video content because you'll get comfortable in a room by yourself on camera. You'll start to see yourself and you can start to perfect that over time. And so that's what's helped me a lot in regards to to just growing and, and getting that that inbound lead gen going. Mm. I think that answered your question. Yeah, no, you did. Yeah. I mean, it, it's in, it's introverted, you know. I mean, and, and as you know, you're a guest on this podcast too. Just always remember, this is a conversation, so I don't, I don't do the whole Q and A. So if you want to say anything, man, the, the floor okay, is cool, yours. Cool. I'm an introvert. I'm an introverted person too, and I, when I tell a lot of people that, they're they're extremely shocked about that. What I mean by that is, when it comes to speaking, like you know, I speak at conferences all over, but you know, if I, I don't know, when the camera comes on, I'm like, I just treat it like. I just want to have a conversation with somebody, you know, and I, yeah. you know, even when, even when I started this podcast, right, I, I do a lot of, I, I do a lot of like TV and radio contributing. So I'll talk about new phone drops and things like that, you know, with the traditional media. And I wanted to have my own show as a lifestyle show at one point, but traditional media, not so good. <laughs> right. And then I kind of thought I want to have full control over my distribution. I want to own everything that I'm doing. And I don't want a producer to tell me that, oh, Ryan, you can't talk to John today because we're, we're trying to get some uh, some different type of you know content today. I wanted to yeah. do my own thing. But when you talk about being introverted, I find that fascinating because if people go to 
John's Instagram. Like, you do a good job. I mean, you're, you know, you go do some cardio and you're sweating. You're like, okay, guys, let's do this today. You know, you got your, your, your son, your son makes the odd cameo in your videos, right? You're like, kids, what's happening? I know I see you got the little pool out your back door, right, of your house. I know a lot of stuff. And you're like, man, this guy knows a lot because just observing somebody, you learn a lot about who they really are. That yeah. being said, yeah. how, why, why, why do you, why did you consider yourself introverted? Like, how, is it just kind of the way you were brought up or just growing up as a child? You're kind of, cause I know you're, you're, you're definitely like geek is the new chic, man. Like I'm a geek, <laughs> I, but I love, like, oh, I yeah, love man, knowledge. Like, you, you make yeah, geek no, cool no, though, man, but I hear, I, I hear that geek in you though. Cause you get, you just, yeah. when you start talking about little like nuances that you figure out about like a product <laughs> or something, like you're like, yo man, this is, oh my God, the API, like you start doing <laughs> acronyms, you know, you start getting jiggy with it, you know? Yeah, so I'm yeah. like, no, no, but you, but you, you throw some flavor on it. So how did that all come in? Yeah, man. My biggest thing is, you know, growing up, I was, I was kind of a nerd, man. I gotta admit I was, I was, you know, I, I watched, I read a lot of books. I watched anime, you know, a lot of times kids would like kind of look at me like, yo, this kid's kind of weird. But I, you know, I had my small group of friends and and I was fine. You know, I had I had a good life. I can't I can't complain there at all. And so I always had kind of this shy disposition. Um, I started coming out of my shell probably around college, I'd say, when I was, um, you know, I stayed in, on campus for like two years. That's when I got a chance to really kind of blossom and, and come out of my shell a little bit. And um, the, the biggest part for me was being able to be transparent and being able to fail in front of others and not feel like, you know, you're not you're not you're not capable of doing certain things. So mm. even now, I think that businesses, they want to work with individuals. They don't want to work with just a corporation. 100%. And the great thing about being a smaller agency is a lot of these bigger companies want to work with small agencies because you have that full transparency. You can talk directly to that person. And so my biggest part is probably just being transparent enough to show people who I am without without being scared of what they'll think. You know, not everyone's going to like you. Certain people will have an affinity towards you. Some people might like certain things you do and not like other things. And so for me, I just try to be my 100% real self and let people decide if they want to follow me or not or see my journey. What's your definition of greatness? Dang. Greatness is living life on your terms, 100%. That's, that's greatness to me. Mine's personal mastery that affects the masses, you know? And I feel like, I like, the, person, I feel like the personal mastery... Because I don't, I don't feel like there's any, I don't feel like there's a, such a word as perfect. I, I just don't think there's a word. I don't think, I don't think anybody's perfect. Nothing's perfect. But there's, it, there's this certain like, I, I, I use football analogies because for me, football was a, like a real central figure in my life growing up. I, I had my mom pass away at 13, which was a single mom. So for me, starting a business was not even because it was fancy. It was because I needed to eat. And when you start something because you're trying to survive, it's a different beast, right? Absolutely. But, and a lot of people do tell me, they, they kind of ask, like, well, Ryan, why? And I'm like, I didn't do it because it was glamorous. I, 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 I had a certain goal, and I couldn't do it working for somebody else, so it became a, a, as a necessity. This is kind of circling right around to, I'm a quick start business person, meaning kind of like a CEO type. If I have an idea, like, boom. And then I'm the <laughs> guy that... Uh, yeah. Same way. <laughs> and, and then I'm the guy that has to go back and scrape all my mistakes weeks later because I, I left a lot of holes there but process is something that's you know been coming especially when you know becoming a father and family and stuff like that absolutely where e even little things like my wife's like ryan when like we have our shared calendar and stuff like that 
But I used to be able to be spontaneous. Like, I'll take an. Extra By the way, what do you guys use for shared calendar? Google Calendar? Just use just Google Calendar. Yeah, I, and I don't. And and my knock on it is I don't like it. I I I I used to be an iPhone guy, but I switched to Android. And we used to just use the, the calendar that was on there. And it worked Dude, good I'm for the so iPhone. I'm so glad you brought that up because I literally talked to my wife an hour ago. And I'm like, we need an app where you can just sync all your calendars to one and you have a couple. Because, you know, when you're a husband and wife and you both work and you have busy schedules, dude, it's like, oh, but I have my thing at 530. Oh, but Logan has oh. his swim class. It's like, oh, no, it's no. Crazy. No, we have a share. We have we have our shared calendar. It's color coded for business. She has her own business. I have my business. And then Love it's it. color coded for doctor's appointments for kids, you know, any kind of like little thing that we're going to do. Because for me, like if I talk to somebody right now and I'm like, well, they're like, okay, Ryan, like what dates? I'm like, oh, okay, wait a sec. And I, I've literally tried to book something. I'm like, oh, wait, that, that's not going to work. My wife just booked something in, you know, for the half an hour. I, yeah, I, yeah, I, no, I, no. I, could, I couldn't operate my house without the calendar. It would be almost virtually impossible. But it's nice that we could be anywhere in the world. And I'm like, well, I know, I know what's on deck, right? So exactly. you have to have a shared calendar. But full circling back, I think that your how you perceive greatness is huge. So for you, what are little things you do each day that kind of hold yourself accountable to your definition, your own definition of greatness? One of the first things I always recommend is if you feel overwhelmed or there's a lot on your plate, literally write out a list of all the things you need to work on. Mm. That's the best way to kind of brain dump all that information that's in your head on paper. And then you can organize it into a task management system or a task management platform later on. But I think that's one of the things, especially people like us, where we're, we always have ideas and things going on in our head. Just write it all out. That way you can kind of release all of that info. Um, some things that work for me are routine, man. My routine is pretty much the same every day. I wake up at uh, at around 536. Once I wake up, I help uh, my wife get Logan ready for school. She takes him to school. Once they leave, I'll get a workout on the bike. I'll eat and then I'll get to work. And so little things that help me are are specific processes in regards to just having that regimented schedule and trying and sticking to it. Now, as you know, when you have a kid, sometimes that can be a little wonky. Sometimes things go crazy. But as long as you have like kind of like a loose structure, you don't have to be like a drill sergeant, but just kind of have your ideal times. I think that, you know, you'll feel pretty accomplished. I'm, I'm reading a book right now called Miracle Morning. Um, that's pretty awesome because in the first 60 minutes of your day, you're doing meditation, reading, exercise, um, you know, giving thanks and then getting your day done. So that way you're waking up and the first thing you do is all of that. Um, another tip, turn off all the notifications on your phone except for the ones you need. I only have five notifications on my phone. That's text, um, Slack, I think Chase and like mm. two more that I have to have on in order to, to function. But turning off Facebook and turning off Instagram was huge because, you know, anytime you get that notification, you're trying to see who's liking, who's commenting. That'll save you tons and tons of time. Uh, and then probably the last piece of that is is recording your process. And we can get into that a little bit more, too. But really just itemizing every single thing you do within the business on a daily basis. And, and the main reason I started doing that was so. When my wife got pregnant, I was working 14, 15 hours a day. You know what I mean? And yeah. I was like, I don't want to be that dad that doesn't see his son. Mm. I, I want to be able to spend time with him, pick him up from school. So when she got pregnant, what I started to do was think, okay, what is what are the things that I do every single day? 
All right. I answer client emails. I respond to this. I look at the jobs and I literally wrote down every single step of everything that I was doing in the business. Mm. And those became our standard operating procedures that we use to this day and that we tweak. And then I'll also do a coinciding video with that. So not only do I have all the steps, I'm doing a screen capture of myself performing all those steps and all those tasks with all the docs and everything needed. So now I can package that and I can give it to a VA, I can give it to an account manager, I can give it to any team member that works remotely within the framework of our team. And now they can execute that. And, and I'll tell you, man, I'll never forget the first day after doing that, I woke up and I saw all these tasks being completed. And I'm like, damn, man, this is saving me hours, literally hours, where now I can think big picture, new projects, managing clients, talking to clients, working on lead acquisition. So it just alleviates all this workload that you don't necessarily have to do on a daily basis. What do you think? What do you think about VAs, virtual assistants? Um, I think here's what I think about VAs. If you're going to hire virtual assistants, you need to give them every single task that they need to perform because uh-huh. a lot of people make the mistake of, okay, I'm going to hire a VA for you know cheap labor. I'm going to have to do my social media, right? Yeah. And then you know you have them doing your social media. They're not spelling content right. The images are terrible. Everything is bad. Now, if you give them an exact blueprint, hey, we post at 9.15 a.m., these are some of the hashtags to use. Here's a pool of images on Google Drive that you can pull from. Also, here are some tips and tricks on the type of content. As long as you structure everything down to the like minute detail, there's no way they can fail because now it's a process. And there's a book, um, probably one of my favorite books right now. It's called, uh, I know you probably read it, The E-Myth. By Michael Kerber. No, um, I haven't, I haven't, re- I haven't about, read that book. I've read that. Oh book. yeah, check this out, man. This is game changing. So the E-Myth. he talked mm. about everything being based on a franchise model. One yeah. one model is McDonald's. McDonald's. I don't know if you've seen the founder with Michael Keaton. Of course, really good. Of course, of course. Um, Ray Kroc, founder of McDonald's. Well, the second founder who who essentially took what these guys were doing, packaged it, created a process, and now you know they're the biggest franchise in the universe. So. It's really about being a technician, the person that does the work, creating that process, itemizing it, and then and then you can offshore. Now, there are certain things you can't give a VA, right? But yeah. if you're do, trying to do Instagram influencer outreach or trying to create a database or, or anything that takes a, a, a ton of time for you to do, create a process, send it, and you're, and you're good to go. And then you just uh, slowly update it, and, and fix any holes and potholes that you find in that issue and then keep going. And I'm telling you, man, it works It works really, really well. So process, what does process mean to you? Why are you, were you somebody who's always process driven? I know you talked about, you know, when your mom was doing tutoring, generating leads, your mind was very tactical in the sense of one plus two equals three, plus two equals five. How do you counter being very process driven with I'm just going to straight up hustle and be an entrepreneur? Because, you know, when, when you, we think of some of the best entrepreneurs in the world, a lot of them were not process driven. I mean, it was a it was a it was, for lack of better words, a shit show every day. And people yeah. hated to work with them. You know, you look at people like <laughs> Steve, jo- Steve Jobs and things like that. You know, these guys are extreme. But for him, you know, he's just super, super hyper focused on that iPhone or that next little piece of technology and it, but then in other areas of his life were complete uh, fire you know yeah yeah <laughs> so for no. you how do you how do you balance that I'm an entrepreneur I'm driven I'm a quick start I got an idea 
you know, assuming you like the idea, you go, and then pulling yourself back and getting into that process. I, uh, it, I don't know if I've always been into process, but once once I started, I kind of became like addicted to it. Like I get to the point where I'm like, okay, I'm doing this a little bit too much. Let me create a process for this and get this shit off my plate because I don't want to deal with this anymore. So yeah. my motivation behind it, I don't know if you call it laziness. <laughs> really, it, it, yeah, I like that. Really I like that. Thinking in the process of, okay, how can I get this off my plate and still maintain the high quality of work that we're doing without losing that and giving that to someone else? And yeah. so my, my biggest motivation behind it is I want to be at the level where I'm just looking and managing all of the projects as opposed to doing the work. Cause I've been on both sides. I've, I've built websites from scratch. I've, I've done the social media. And I think that helps you when you're doing everything yourself to kind of figure out where you want to, where you want to position yourself and how to, to perfect your process over time. Right. I'm a big proponent of self-education. I'm always taking courses, always reading books. So I try to implement a lot of those things into what we do and give that to my staff because I feel like that's the best way to scale our efforts and sell the business. And so in one example, um, I sold three e-commerce businesses in the last two years because I've created a process for them. And that's what people are buying. They're buying, of course, the fact that you're cash positive and that you're making money, but they're also buying the fact that, okay, I can purchase this and I don't have to be doing the day to day. I can manage it and I can oversee it. And everything is already in place for me to do that. So my biggest motivation is to be able to scale the business where I could potentially sell it one day or completely pull myself out of it and work on a new project. Cause I'm like, you man, I have an idea and I just run. I'm like, okay, we gotta get this going. But now if I have an idea, for example, blackwallet.org, which is my financial literacy blog. When I had that idea, we already had the agency in place with five, four. Essentially all I did was add blackwallet.org into the queue. And now all the content is being generated, all the yeah. social media is being posted. And now that process is already done. So all I do is come up with the creative ideas and then think about how we can execute. Financial literacy. Oh man, that's a great, that's such a great topic. We talk, I talk a lot about that. I think that's so huge. There was something I read that it was, it was interesting in the United States. I'm in Canada, but in the United States, an Asian, per, a Chinese, a Chinese person, a Chinese community would keep, let's say you go and spend $1. The dollar yeah. would stay in the Chinese community for 30 days minimum. In the oh, in most, in most black communities, a dollar will leave the community within an hour. Yeah. Crazy, man. So when Crazy. you go into some of those, because Canada is very different than the United States, but when you go into some of those areas in the States that are a little rougher, but they got the little corner stores on there, they're owned yeah. by like Chinese people, Arab people, things like that. And it's interesting because your black wallet or that, that's a fascinating topic. What, what got you really passionate about financial literacy and is that kind of from the perspective of, of being a black dude or just in general yeah man so uh, it's a combination of a few things and and i think the best way to answer that is when i got the job at the bank that <laughs> that gave me a lot of fundamentals and in, in understanding how banking worked how money worked mm -hmm. how a lot of people don't really understand how money flows and 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 the overall significance of financial literacy and how financial literacy, even if you're broke, and this is a quote that I like a lot. Um, it's if you're born broke, it's not your fault. If you mm. die broke, it's your fault. Ooh, right. So true. financial literacy is that bridge that takes you from being a broke kid at 19 
who like me, you know, had a dad who was under substance abuse, who that mom that was trying to get things to go. By getting financial literacy and understanding, I was able to buy my first home at 25, buy my mom a home at 26, and, and it just taught me so many fundamentals on, on, on how to, to manage money. And so one day I'm just looking on these financial blogs because I'm, I'm just kind of a financial nerd and just looking and learning information. And there are websites like Nerd Wallet and Penny Hoarder, which are great. Mm-hmm. But there was nothing from the perspective of, you know, people of color. Or, or, uh, and, and I was like, you know what? Why don't I just start a blog where we just provide people with the information they need? We're not selling anything. We're not we're not trying to to get them to go, go to specific banks, but really just saying, hey, these are your investment opportunities. These are some things that you can do. And so that was about a year and a half ago when we launched Black Wallet. And um, and since then, it's been amazing, man. The feedback has been phenomenal. We had uh, a ton of visitors. We had about 72,000 visitors last month. The the social media channels are growing and you can see even in music, like in hip hop, I'm a huge hip hop head. Mm. um, You're even seeing a lot of these artists talk about financial literacy and generational wealth and investing in properties as opposed to buying, you know, two Lambos. It's there's a dynamic shift happening. And I'm just happy to be part of that ecosystem. And if I if I can provide value to people where they see and they understand, wow, you know, I can go and purchase Beyond Meat stock and I can make four hundred dollars in a month. That can help me with additional expenses or retirement or whatever they want to do. So that was my main motivation behind it, man. It's been a, it's been a great ride so far. Wu Tang, Wu Tang, cream calendars rule everything around me. Dollar dollar bills, y'all. <laughs> Yo, man, you know like what that. I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. I like the Wu Tang. I do. Um, Bank of America. Trick question. Who who owns Bank of America? Who started Bank of America? I don't even know. It, it, Bank of America was called Bank of Italy before. It, it was really? it, and it's it's owned by Italian people. It's owned huh. by Italians. Bank of Italy huh. and they changed their name to Bank of America so that it would be a little bit more relatable to the rest of the states. Imagine that. It was called Bank of Italy. Okay. <laughs> and wow. it's funny cuz if you if I asked 10 Americans that bank at Bank of America who owned it before, they're like America. I'm like, no. Bank of Italy. It was Bank of Italy, that's man. All, hey, branding, branding <laughs> is power. Branding is, branding. That's great. branding is power. But it was interesting because Italians wow. basically said, if we pool our money together, we can start this bank. And then it just became, it actually grew quite quick. And then it became the Bank of America. So when we talk about financial literacy, it's funny because uh, that's why I love business. The business is such a gigantic, ginormous topic because it, there's social, there's economical, there's so many facets of business. Money, to me, arguably, is the most important one. Yes, you need to build it, but it's that it's that wealth, you know. And you know, you're a dad now. For me, I I believe in ownership. You know, I, I feel like yes. if you don't have ownership, Hell like the one word that's the most important to me is ownership, because to me, it's you know, and it's true. You know, you don't want to leave your kids a bill. You want to leave them a will, and it's it's really that simple, right? You don't want like to leave that. them a you don't want to leave them a mortgage payment like that. You didn't leave them shit then. You didn't leave them anything. Maybe there's some equity exactly. built in, but you got to leave them a will. And you know, for me, I, I I'm I'm right there with you, man. I like the stocks. I love real estate. You know, I'm I'm into all of that, and I think that's what's so nice about entrepreneurship is we're taught at a young age to go and sell our time to a boss to make some money in exchange for our time. That boss then basically allocates our time and then gives us some money for it, makes more money on us, 
And people mm-hmm. who think that having a job is security is are delusional because if you are not producing more than what your boss is paying you for your time, your days at that company are numbered and are done. Banks have mastered this concept in crazy amounts. For somebody to go and put all their money in a savings account and maybe get 2% back is ridiculous. I will say this live on my podcast. Take your money out of that savings account that's giving you 2%. And don't think of it as a bad thing, but take that and diversify that money into maybe some real estate, maybe some bonds, diversify to get some more money back. Because that 2% is peanuts when the average bank is making that 13 to 15% on your money and then cracking you off at 2%, right? Exactly. All the biggest buildings, if you go into any major city, who owns all the biggest buildings? Banks or insurance companies? All right? You worked in the bank, dude. You know. Absolutely. Absolutely. I have yet to walk into a major city and be like, oh my God. 5-4 5-4 Digital owns that big tower. <laughs> no, right? but but you don't see any marketing companies or agencies owning those big ass buildings, right? You got no. you got you got your president Trump, which I mean that guy's real estate all day long, right? It's it's I, I always go downtown to a major city and be like, who owns those big buildings? Yeah. Because to me, that's where we, we kind of all have to kind of look to. So your black wallet org was kind of a personal um mission for you would you say yeah yeah it was it was it is my way of of just giving back to the community I, in in the way that I can right and mm. do through digital marketing through content and through just adding value to people and the amount of comments and people that we get just responding back and saying hey guys you know when you told me about beyond me i bought 10 shares or hey when i was on your website i saw one of the side hustles you did and now i'm doing online tutoring so it's just hearing the feedback and understanding that the value that we're creating is is really helping people is it's super beneficial and and i always tell people when you're teaching and you're educating you're learning yourself as well so anytime i go out and i do research for example we did an article on 22 franchises anyone can go and purchase Mm-hmm. Um, I was able to see, wow, you know, there's a, there are all these opportunities for franchise. You have some franchises that are 10, 15, 20 grand. You know, people are thinking, oh, I need to have a million dollars or I need to have 15 million. Side note, Chick-fil-A to open a franchise is only 10 grand, just so you know. <laughs> but it's harder to open one than it is to get into Harvard because they have a very like crazy vetting process. But it's just learning that type of stuff helps me as well. But ultimately, it helps the community understand and, and, and know the power of financial literacy and, and generational wealth. You know, it's interesting. One of my first kind of like notable guests on my podcast was Jason Maiden, which is the former Nike Air Jordan uh, designer who worked with Michael Jordan and under Tinker Bell. And he's, wow. um, he's a black dude who was born in Chicago. So he came up in the South Side and seen his, you know, one of his best friends get shot and killed and just a, the guy's a master with his words. If you Google him, he's, he's everywhere. And yeah. he, he talked a lot about kind of the culture at Nike. And we all know that culture of the sneakers, there wasn't a lot of black folks even in that whole thing. Meanwhile, their customer was black people. But you didn't yeah. see a lot of the d- designers. He was the first African-American intern at Nike. Imagine. Wow. Like, that's, wow. that's crazy. You know, on, on, under the Nike crazy. or Jordan brand. 
So, you know, he said some interesting things where, again, he kind of talked, you know, a little bit about financial where he's saying, my God, you're wearing those new Air Jordans, but where's the money that you're spending? You know, $100, $200. Where's that $200 landing up? Is that landing up back in your own community? And, you know, talking to a lot of black folks or African-American people, they just kind of said, I didn't even think of that. Like, they didn't even think about where's the money that they're trying to go and, you know, they're trying to be extra and floss, right? They want those new kicks, right? And I get it. Like, I got, I got some Air Jordans back there. But I always kind of yeah, say, Yeah, no, like, no doubt, man. No doubt. I, I, I like sneakers too, you know? I, li- I, like, I like my stuff. But, you know, I always said, like, every time I ever buy myself a piece of anything, it's as a reward to something that i made more money exactly. off. Exactly. I'm the same you know, way, man. Right? I'm the same so, way. I don't, I don't view debt. I'm not a, a fan of debt, but the only reason I, the only thing I will say I'd love debt for is if that debt that I take or that loan makes me more money, then I think debt yeah. is not a bad thing at all. Right. But yeah. circling back, Logan says to you, daddy, you're very process oriented. You're, you're a big numbers guy. I know you have lots of hopes, dreams to conquer this world. How do you mathematically divide how much our time is worth versus the time of John D. Saunders conquering the world? <laughs> I'd say, dude, it's a loaded question, man. It's big. Uh, this is because yeah. because oh, this it's, is crazy. it's I, I ain't gonna say nothing. I want you to answer it. I'll play chicken on this <laughs> it's, one. It's, <laughs> listen, and it, it's hard, dude, because. Because you, you have two sides of the spectrum, right? You have a child who needs time with his father, who needs to spend time, who needs to see his dad on a continuous basis and, and help him formulate his thoughts and, and who he is as a person. And on the other side, you have the business owner who needs to have, be successful to pay for the home, to pay for his college or, or his entrepreneurial ventures or you know everything else. So for me, that balance is right now, my schedule is pretty much... I'll work from, you know, the time that Logan leaves and then I pick him up at 4.30. So that's kind of like my main workday. And then what I'll usually do is spend time with him up until he goes to sleep around nine, spend time with my wife up until about like 11. And then some days, probably two or three times out of the week, I'll work from like 11 to one, just if I want to finish something up. I like working at night because you don't get a ton of emails. You're not getting bombarded with calls, right? It's like nice, deep work time. So. With that being said, there are times where I have to travel for speaking engagements and, and do certain things. And, you know, you feel like you're missing that integral time. So what I try to do is, is allocate any time I'm here. I don't you know, when we go out, it's really just to eat. Um, I love to spend time with my family and friends. And I'm kind of um, I won't say a homebody, but we like to have barbecues and stuff like that. And that's where I get the most most satisfaction. So with that being said, that balance is hard, man. It's hard sometimes, you know, because you feel like you're missing out. But but some things that help are being able to leverage that time when I'm with Logan. I try not to have my phone, try to put it down, try to really get engulfed, help him do puzzles and, and help him just integrate into me and him time and, and wifey time, of course. But it's yeah, man, it's hard. It's hard when you're an entrepreneur. It's, it's, it's hard sometimes. And, you know, when when you're starting to feel it, when you're like, damn, you know, I haven't seen my little guy in a while. I need to make sure I, I spend some time with them. But well, it's <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting because everybody wants what they want. Right. I mean, for you to be at your best game, you need to feel good and productive. Pe- you know, people who are entrepreneurial, especially are driven. It's funny because somebody tells me they're motivated by money. I already know I'm going to kick their ass. Because if it's just about money, you're done. 
It, it's not yeah. even about it, it. It doesn't even become about the money. It's you're running the race against yourself ah. on a day to day basis. And usually, if you do something you're passionate about, it money will come. That we know that, right? But you know, in order for you to feel like John, you got to be a you know, you want to feel like man, I'm I'm executing on my ideas. I got my processes happening. You know, I'm sure if you ask your own wife, you know, when she sees you at your best, it's when you're in your hustle. You know, she's like, man, you gotta, you're a bona fide hustler. Like, if you're like, <laughs> like, I think people like me and you, I never, I never will retire. I'm never no, retiring. I, I, I mean, I mean, sure, you know, you got enough money in the bank, and you're like, I'm working for fun, quote unquote. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, like- I, I'm gonna always have my projects. I'm gonna be that grandpa that's harassing their grandchildren, harassing their children. I don't care if you tell me I can't come to your house at two in the afternoon. I don't care who your damn husband is. I don't care who your damn wife is. I'm your dad, man, and I'm gonna be the annoying. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, though, right? Yeah, and just, yeah, no, you know, absolutely, man. I, I feel like when I retire, my, I already have my like my idea of what yeah. I want to do. I want to one. I'm going to own a, another property in in the Caribbean somewhere, <laughs> right? Travel there, open like a nice like local surf shop or a little restaurant, and then Simple. I'm also going to have an incubator in like an urban community where it's going to be like a nice warehouse or a building where I just incubate companies, and then I put people in place to kind of run it, and I come in, make sure everybody's doing their job, <laughs> doing their thing, and then you know I'm back to wherever I'm going. So I'm the same way, man. I, I love the grind. I love the hustle. I love the the journey. Right. Yeah. Because that's where you have the most fun building and seeing what's not working, fixing it, seeing yourself increase, seeing yourself get better each day and kind of like just being like, damn, man, like this is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Do I get you, to do this day. How do you know what you want? How do you know what you want? How do you even come to that answer? So many people, a lot of people, if you ask them what they're passionate about, especially when it comes to work, they, they don't really know. It's we're living yeah. in a really interesting time. You know, you got. You got doctors out there that went to university for like 10 to 15 years to specialize in their practice and they're not even passionate about what they do. And I asked, well, why did you go to like, why did you want to become an anesthetist or a brain surgeon? Oh, you know, my dad was or my parents told me like, this is what I need to do. Or how do you know what you want? Like, how did you figure that out? And are you still figuring that out? Uh, yeah, man, it's, it's kind of a little bit of both. I, I feel like um. I got lucky because I, I, I kind of fell into marketing and just ended up liking it. I've always been like into tech and 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 and, um, and STEM. So that, that kind of helped me. But I feel like you don't necessarily have to just want to do one thing. Mm. I feel like it's 2019 and there are so many different opportunities and so many ways to learn new skills mm. that you can do whatever you want. Like one of my goals is to write a screenplay. People are like, write a screenplay, but you're a marketer. Yeah, I know. But I feel like now there's just so much opportunity. I can go and I can watch 30 YouTube videos, take an online course, and now I have a blueprint to write, you know, a decent screenplay. If it comes out like shit, okay, I can just go, you know, keep working and get better. But for me, it's really not necessarily finding something you have to do for the rest of your life, but find something that you enjoy in the moment that can generate income and working on that. I always tell people that that kind of don't know what they want to do. Starting a marketing agency or start or consulting marketing can be a great help because in whatever you do, you're going to need marketing. And it's always good to have an understanding that doesn't matter if you're a landscaper, doesn't matter if you're writing a book or if you're a cyclist, whatever. Starting with marketing as a catalyst will teach you the fundamentals of the thought process of how to market to your ideal consumer. And ultimately, it's going to help you in the long run. That's why I did the agency, because 
this can help me facilitate other projects. And this is something Gary Vee talked about a few years ago where his agency is essentially a catalyst to be able to go in and buy other companies, take them into his ecosystem, and then resell them or do whatever he wants to do. So for me, it's the same or similar trajectory. Myself, I'm not trying to build like a 500 person team and have a huge building and that's not really my vibe. I love where I'm at right now. I do well enough where I could take care of my family and, and it's still have fun and still enjoy life. And I don't necessarily have the burden of having to manage a 50, 100 person team. And I'm able to also segue and work on other projects. So my biggest, my, I, I'd say my biggest takeaway from that is don't focus on what you have to do for the rest of your life. But I tell your, your listeners to kind of focus on what they like now and how they can monetize it. Because we're living in a time right now that's unlike any of you got kids that are 19 years old that play Fortnite for eight hours a day, making 30 grand a month. I mean, bro, it's you and whatever, whatever you like right now, you can essentially monetize it. It's crazy. There's never been another time like this in the entire history of the universe. Doesn't matter where you come from. Personal cult, doesn't matter where you come from. Anyone can get on this, this digital train and, and, and excel. What do you think about the Gary Vaynerchuks and the Grant Cardones and the Ty Lopez's and the... You know, uh, Lewis, Lewis Howes and the, yeah. let me keep going down the list. Lewis Howes, Patrick Bedavid's value Tayman. What do you think about, first of all, what do you think about all these guys? You know, if Logan I, says to you, if Logan says to you, dad, how much of what they're saying should I listen to? What would you tell him? I'm well, using um, your son. I'm using your son again. No, no, I like leverage. Because then it's forcing you. It's, show on Netflix. it's 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 forcing you to to, to be honest. Because now Logan's talking yeah. to you. It ain't, it ain't even about Ryan. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, so you know, Logan's sitting in front of me. I'm talking to him. My biggest thing is so Patrick Bet David. I like him because he focuses more on actionable tactics that you can use. Like he breaks down. Okay, this is what compounding means. This is exactly what you need. So he's he's not selling as much. Um, Gary V I like, but I'm not into the hustle porn, man. Like I get it. You're working a lot. This guy's, you know, he doesn't see his kids a lot. He doesn't see his wife a lot. And that, but that's his choice, right? He, that's what, what he I wants. Don't, that's I don't focus. understand this though. Like, okay, let, let's have a little like gossip session, black man tea session right now. Yeah. Yeah. What, when does he see his kids? <laughs> no, no, no. Like I'm trying to understand, I, like he's doing the vlog. And I'm like, okay, I get it. He's got people doing it. I get it. He's got a team. He's scaling. But that's still him in the vlog. And I don't see yeah. the kid. Like, he's 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 legit spending a lot of time away from home. Like, yeah. an absorbent no, he, amount. He's talked about it, too, where he's like, yeah, you know, I'm, 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 you know, I don't get a lot of time with them. But when I do spend time with them, I'm, I'm fine. I, I don't know. I don't know the specifics, but I... I don't want to have a life where I'm just like, yeah, I'm sitting on 400 million, but I missed out on the, the biggest moments of my son's life. Like for me, money is a, is the piece to just keep everything running. Of Essentially, ah. maintaining our lifestyle. We live good. You know what I mean? Yeah. We, we go on vacation whenever we want. We're able to go and do what we want to, when we please. The biggest thing is you have to have, or even just not even you, just people in general just need to understand that you need to have your own personal goals and your monetary goals because you might be like, yeah, I want to make five million a year, but the work that goes into that five million, are you willing to sacrifice everything it takes to get to that five million? Um, and back to your question about Gary Vee and all these guys, I like the guys that provide actionable tactics and those are the, yeah. the guys I really watch. Like Gary Vee, 
he's he's great. You know, he gets you all riled up and you want to hustle and go work. But other than that, I don't feel like he's giving you tactical like things that you can do. As in, here's here's step by step what you got to do. Um, so I the only I, I thing follow, I remember I, Gary V. Okay, I got I got his book there. I got his yeah. Book. This, this is the Thank You Economy, which his book is great I, too. By the way. It, it is a good book, but the problem is is that since like I read that book, I I can watch all his videos and I still don't know that I've learned anything about marketing and how yeah. to attract people. And he's he's definitely on the hustle thing. And you know now I'm trying to figure out. This guy is a smooth, smooth guy because he now he's culture hacking, right? He's going into yeah. the hip hop space. He's got yes. his own shoe. Um, but I still have yet to see one black person that's rolling him rolling around doing his vlogs for him. And I wonder why I don't see this diversity happening. And he says, you know, I had his chief heart officer, Claude Silver, on my show, and she's all about, you know, inclusivity and love and all these things and and I think it's great, but I'm like, what is he doing with all this? You know, what's going on there? Because I, I like to hear what people say, and then I try to, I hear what they say, and then I see what I see. So I'm yeah, like, no. interesting. Like, what's going on? You know, I'm like, hmm. Because there's been kind of times where I'm like, I love Gary. And then I'm like, I don't know about Gary. And then I love Gary. And then, you know. Yeah, I, it's like I, a lot of religion. No, I get, I get like, it. Like, it, I will never say anything to the fact that the dude is hustle. I have a lot of respect for his work ethic. I think it's absolutely sick. There's a lot of great things, but then when I get tactical, I'm like, interesting, you know, what's going yeah. on there? No, no, no. I, I get what you're saying. And I, I, I had the, I had a similar thought process, too, because I think when he really had a trajectory just skyrocket was when he was on um, Breakfast Club. Yeah. And when he was on Breakfast Club, he saw the leverage that he had in the urban community and he ran with it because he oh. knew that at that moment. Oh, man, the urban community really likes me. That's when he started singing with rappers now he's doing this now he's doing that and i th this is my personal reason you know he started a um a sports management company and he wanted to be able to leverage that clout he's he's a he's a masterful marketer you can't you can't yeah. knock a dude is a beast <laughs> and so he's thinking 10 15 20 steps ahead and, and and i think that he thought that he could use that as leverage when he starts a sports management company to be able to bring in these top um top caliber athletes and but I, you know, I, I have a lot of respect for him. I think he's a great marketer. I don't, I don't follow his content as much anymore, just because I'm more focused on like tacticians and and, and technical stuff. But mm. no, he's, he's he's pretty dope. Patrick, but David, I, out of all those names I gave you, is the one that I I do love. He yeah, literally gets like on that. He's got that whiteboard back there. He's literally yeah. What's man, I what? Love that. <laughs> like what's no. he's got? Okay, guys. So let me tell you about. Like I'm like, oh my, like, this guy is giving you the full. Whole three, and there's something super sincere about him. There's yeah. something sincere. Like I've sent him videos. He, I, I posted about on Instagram. I sent him direct messages once in a while. And I'm just like, "Hey, Pat, what's up?" That was my first video to him, and I'm like, "This guy's got a lot of followers," and I'm sure he's getting hit up. He gets back to me. He's like, "Thanks, brother. You know, much love." And I'm like, "Is that him wow. or one of his social media handlers?" <laughs> yeah. Hit, hit him up again. Gives me like the prayer hands. Then I hit him up a third time. He's in Vegas. He's like, Ryan, there's something about your energy. Sends a video message back. And I'm what? just like, so if you wow. go on my if you go on my Instagram, look for the little clip that says Patrick with David, and you'll literally see him say it. So I made a little video about it. Because That's I just awesome. thought, this guy's on a different level, you know? And but he's when he talks, it's so sincere. 
I, oh, yeah, I don't know definitely. what it is. There's something about the guy. I really like the guy. I think he's. I don't think he's. Yeah, I watch his YouTube videos all the time, man. All the time. You know, um, John. Process, process. What are tips? You mentioned about screen recording. You mentioned about screencasts. You mentioned about. Yes. Um, you know, I heard you say the, the the word Slack, which is a great kind of you know company team uh, communication portal. You know, um, what are some like what's your top ten tools? That people who are listening that maybe aren't advanced technologically, uh-huh. you can do a t- you can do a top five, and yeah. you know, maybe don't maybe don't have much money to invest in them, but are tools no, that are powerful that you can use. So one thing, um, and I'll I'll give you I'll give you the link so you can have it in the show, show notes. I have a Google Doc that has oh. all of my tools and resources, all the free ones, all the paid ones. Everything's in there. It's probably of, course, of course he does because he's process Google. oriented, <laughs> <laughs> and it's a Google Doc, so they don't have to opt in or anything. They can literally right. just click it and it opens up the doc. Oh, oh, okay. um, but some of my favorite tools. One is it's called Loom. L O O M. It is a video sharing app. It lets you screen cap, dude. It's phenomenal. It works as a Google Chrome extension. You can literally create quick video grabs, send them to your team, send them to clients. One of my biggest tips is sending Loom video updates to clients. They love it. They feel like they're getting real-time work. You can go through analytics, go through different things like that. Mm. Uh, another one of my favorite tools for finding like relevant hot content, uh, Buzzsumo. Mm. That's a really great one. Uh, they let you use it for free to a certain extent, um, and then you have to pay. In regards mm. to process, what we use for process is we use Google Docs, we use Loom, and um, we use Asana. And so Google Docs, you can just write down your docs, create videos. Loom, you record your videos with. And then Asana is where you record all your tasks and manage everything there. And uh, let me see, I'm just looking through my tool list really quick. There's so many good ones here, man. Um, in regards to automation, uh, Zapier, Z-A-P-I-E-R, I know you know that one. Yeah, that's yeah, that yeah. you can set up forms, you can set up integrations. Guys, it's easy, there's no code involved. Let's say you have a form on your website. You can make it go to a Google form. You can make it go to anywhere you want, essentially. Mm. Um, mm. And then um, if, let's see, I'm just going through my my docs here. Um, oh, Funnelytics. Funnelytics. Funnelytics is a great one that you can create your funnels, drag and drop interface. It helps you get your idea and your process out on paper. So if you're like, hey, look, to a client, you're going to create a lead acquisition form. Helps you lay that out really easily. Thing, funnelytics, yeah, that's important. That is important. I feel no, like sometimes with all this digital stuff, it's weird because I find myself as of late as much as, as much of a digital resource as I have. There's nothing like pen to paper sometimes because I'm just like, oh yeah, I, I, I need I, I need to get this down and I just need to see it and then I can make it look pretty later. You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. And, and it helps too, man. They say when you write something down, it's easier to memorize as well, as opposed to like typing it. What? Uh, uh, give me your, and, then, and then give me your two top personal life hacks. What are some things in your life that you're just like, not business related, that you're just like, oh, I couldn't live without this. I love this thing. This is the best. Oh, whether it's a gadget, whether it's a whether it's a gadget or it's just something you and your wife came across that you're like, oh, this is this is a game changer. Um, like, oh, this, Came across this by accident, but it's amazing. One <laughs> so, one thing is um the Peloton bike. I don't know if you've seen Ooh, the Peloton, the Peloton bike. bikes. We What's have it literally. So in our bedroom, we have the bed, and then to the right, we have the Peloton bike with the mat and the weights right there. So oh. it's a life hack for us because, as you know, man, as a parent, sometimes oh. you get to the gym, it's hard to get out. 
We literally wake up, get on the bike, start your day. And it's just really, really, really convenient because it's in the same bedroom and it's so small and compact. You just hop on and you get your workout in, um, get some nice cardio. And then you can just lift some weights. We have like a little weight thing there. So yeah. try and, when it comes to working out, make it as convenient as possible, yeah. <laughs> especially as a parent. Um, second hack. Uh, let me let me look at my phone one second. It's, it's, it's really interesting because everything that you've said, to, and I'm, I've noticed this uh, as a common thread with a lot of guests, is that a lot of people are really trying not to leave their house if they don't have to. Meaning, like one 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 girl said, like I was cl- calculating how long it would take me to drive and rush hour to the gym, drive home, and it was like two hours out of my day. I just don't have that amount of time. And people yeah. are making their homes like their headquarters. They got their workout area. They got their business area. It's really fascinating because in every way, it's like the extra time I do have, I just want to like love my family. You know, I just want to exactly. hang out with my kids. I, like I'm exactly. trying to maximize my time. Exactly. And I Dude, think that's amazing. 100%. 100%. 100%. No, absolutely. And, and, and you, you get it because that's the thing. Nowadays, whatever I can do that I can automate and I don't have to worry about, I'm on it. I'm on it. Um, another one, another hack I'd say is probably Bill Shark. Bill so, Shark. Yeah, Bill Shark. <laughs> It's great because so what they'll do is and I'm going to write a blog about this one, too. Um, any subscriptions that you have that are kind of redundant that you're not really using, they literally call and get you a lower cost or they get you or they cancel it for you. And so they take a percentage of what your monthly cost would be. And that's their fee. Interesting. Yeah, that's a oh, good Bill one, Shark. man. That's a good no, one. No, no worries, man. And um, let me see if I got any more. This is uh, another. This is another hack for people listening too. And I don't understand why people don't do this. Every year, I take all the bills I'm paying. Of course, you know you have mortgage and all that stuff. That's you know that's you got your interest rate and all that. That's definitive. Every yeah. other, yeah, but not my fixed costs, but everything else. And I just simply call and say, "What can you do for me this year?" And yep. it's I do the um, same thing. It's, I mean, my phone bill, dude, like, I mean, every year I'm getting something like, and it it's amazing. And I look at, it, I'm like, I just, you know, customer service person. I try to talk to somebody too. And I'm like, yeah, so how can I help you today? Oh, I just have a quick question. What's your question? I just want to know what you can do for me. <laughs> and there's kind of like a silence. Yeah. And they're yeah. like, oh, okay. Well, let, let me look at your account. You know, let me look at your account. I love that. You know, and then. All of a sudden, you're getting all this, and people listening, I cannot tell you how powerful this is. It's no, very no, dude, it works. That, it works. I do it all the time too. Like, once well, a year. Once a year. I, I don't know. I think the one time I got, they said, you know, I can't do something, but they still managed to give me a credit or some sort of promo offer. Like I always got something. I don't think I've ever heard we can do nothing. Yeah. And yeah, so no, asked, it works. And, and I know a lot of people don't do this because I talk even my friends. I'm like, well, don't you talk to your phone company and just be like, what can I do for you? They're like, no, no, Ryan. I, th- I thought that was a con. Man, I'm like, contracts, whatever, man. Who cares? Like, well, I don't care about the contract. Like, yeah. What can you do for me? You know? And if you have, if you've been with that company five years plus, that's a lot of leverage, man. A lot of leverage. A lot of leverage. So that's another hack. Uh, John, what, like, this is a great podcast. I love it. What would you like people to know about you? What is something that you haven't said in an interview that you've dying to say? Is there anything controversial <laughs> or juicy or something that's just like, boom, you know, this is John D. Saunders talking to you. The floor is yeah. yours, my man. Thank you. Thank you. First and foremost, I want to thank you for having me on the podcast, man. It's always a pleasure. I love seeing your content and your growth and, and your family life. So I love the balance and, and what you're doing. And I feel like we run a, a few great parallels 
In regards to me, I say if you want to get some valuable marketing tips and tricks, you know, you can follow me on Instagram at John D. Saunders. Um, also, be sure to pick up our new book. It's uh, on blackwallet.org. You can find it there. Check yes. it out. Let me know your thoughts. Also, subscribe on blackwallet.org because we do great weekly content, absolutely free. We have a Facebook group that has uh, about 2,000 members where we talk about financial literacy. We talk about things and ways people can invest. Low-cost stuff, stuff that's low-point entry. Mm. And that's it, man. That's all I got. I love just it, a, man. Just and, a young man and, trying, to, and, trying to make waves. And just so everybody knows, you're somebody like I, you know, you're somebody I know that you can message and direct message and ask them about. Even sometimes you, you put up one thing. I think I had one question. I can't remember what it was about. But you're more than happy to tell me what it was. You don't do this like... Well, I'm not going to tell you what my little secrets are. Like you're very open oh, yeah. with you're very open with all your stuff. How how like how how are you like that? You give everything away. I know you said sometimes you almost stack too much value up front, you know, to to maybe a disservice, but in the long run it comes back. You you're you're very much the whole Gary V mantra of, you know, give you're giving five times more than you take. So, how have you um, managed to do that? Have you always been that way? Or is it something that you're like, no, this is a part of my moral compass. This is who I am. Just speak on that a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Uh, for me, pr- providing value is the, I feel the best way you can give back to everyone. Right. And I think what it does is it makes you look perceived as a thought leader. And when you become a thought leader, you can control more and you can, I mean, not control more, but you can have more influence. And so for me, I like providing value. I like people thinking, oh, this guy knows what he's talking about. Oh, I can go use this and, and, and use this as an action. You know, 80% of the time, people aren't going to necessarily work with you or they just, they kind of look at you, but they might have someone that might want to work with you or they might be like, hey, check out John. And it just, I, I feel like providing value increases influence. And you, the main thing is not to expect anything back, just to give and know that people are getting value from it. And that's mm. that's where it ends. I mean, for me, it's worked out well enough for me to, to, to run this business and, and, and do well and, and take care of my staff. And, and I feel like I'm just, if I could get somebody to get interested in marketing, it could be a kid that's maybe 17, 18 years old that doesn't really know what he wants to do. He jumps into marketing. Now he's 20 and he's doing well for himself. That's, mm. you know, that's the benefit because with this industry, it's so low cost. You know what I mean? You can start a website, launch a website. It's going to take some time, but 50 bucks, you're going to buy your domain, your hosting. I mean, that's that's it. $50 and you can create a business. So <laughs> to, to show people that that opportunity is there and show them how to leverage that is, is, is where I get satisfaction. And the icing on the cake is people coming back to me and saying, hey, we'd love to work or we'd love to collaborate. Mm. And um, oh, another tip is um, voice notes on Instagram work really, oh. really well. Ooh, I like um, that. But I, what, what one thing you can do is when someone follows you, mm. message them a voice note. Hey, Jimmy, thanks for following me, man. If there's anything I can do to help you out, let me know. Th- and that's it. And people are like, yo, he just, it, they love it. They mm. love it. It's just very personal and it takes five seconds. It's it's super helpful. One thing, and, I, and this is how I've gotten some of my large, largest guests, is Instagram video. I just straight up, I just video right into huh? them. I've had one person ghost me. Oh, I like that. And that brings up another... Jabril passport heavy. Oh, this, <laughs> you know, you see my comment. I, I ain't gonna let this pod, I ain't gonna let this podcast go down till we talk about this Jabril passport heavy situation. <laughs> this guy has been ghosting me. 
I have not sent him a video on Instagram yet, though, but I'm telling you, and I'm gonna I'm gonna tag him on this podcast too because I see this guy's videos, and he's you know he's all about passive income. He's traveling. He's giving you economical information about when you travel. He's good. I'm like, this guy won't even respond back. He won't even like a message, and I'm like, what's wrong with this guy? What did I what did I do? To, what did I do to him? How do you know? Do you know him? Um, because he, no, he's, he's in your comments. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's funny. That guy I, does uh, not comment well, on well, lots of stuff, though. Like, no, he, no, he, he, he's very specific. He, he is, he is. My, my thing is, he's a really, he's super transparent, nice guy. I reached out to him maybe a year and a half ago, and I was like, dude, I'd love to have you on our, um, on our, uh, on our blog as an interview. And he was like one of our first interviews. And he was like, sure, man. And he got on the call with me. We were on the call for probably like an hour and a half. He was just like, Damn. I'm just talking to him. But I think he might not see it. You know what I mean? I know he does a lot of, um, he gets a lot of DMs. He's a pretty popular dude. I, I don't know. I haven't I, sent him a I, video. I can, I can send him a message and see if he gets back. But he's, that- he's transparent, man. He'll, I think he'll definitely do it. Well, this is, what's, this is what's funny because I'm like, he just, I, I, and I think I would vibe with him. He seems like a cool cat, right? But yeah. here, but what's interesting is it's funny you bring up the voice notes. You're very right about that. Uh, the Instagram is Instagram your number one social uh, platform right now that you you enjoy. Yeah, yeah. Instagram is probably the most popular one. I, I like Facebook groups too because okay. the engagement is insane in there. But those yeah. those are probably my top two groups and Instagram. Interesting. Okay, well, I gotta send Jabril a video message on IG. I'm a bug that guy <laughs> until the, I'm a persistent as hell, man. And I'll straight up, you know, what's so funny though, and, and John can speak to this. When you go on a voice note, those are impactful. But I'm literally that guy that's like, I actually sent one of my guests. You know how you it shows up seen when they do see the message, yeah. Even if it's their handler, so I'll send him. I'll fire back another video that says, "Oh, come on, you you're gonna see it now." And you still not going to respond back? Like, I'm second level. And that, oh, like I, that. I, I call that, that's a second level direct DM game. And yeah. it's amazing how many people fire back and they're like, all right, all right, okay, man. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of people bad, think. like, damn. <laughs> Anyways. Um, yeah, man. Uh, everyone, thank you so much for listening. John, thanks for coming on the show. Again, just a reminder, podcast is available wherever you uh, download and choose to listen. Also, um, this would not be possible without all of you. We are approaching our 70th episode, which I think is absolutely epic. Um, we do have a sponsor for the show. Um, it's been very, very well, very well received on social media and all platforms. Um, again, we're just going to keep trucking along. And again... You know, I rewrote our podcast show bio and it basically just says that we want to provide people with a safe and brave space to really dig deep inside themselves and witness two friends having a conversation via podcast. So again, please, please, curiosity should always be your mandate. John, thanks so much, man. No worries, man. Thank you for having appreciate me, Ryan. You, bro. I appreciate it, man. All we right, we'll, we'll, talk chat. Soon. we'll chat soon. I'll let you know when it's up. All right, brother. T- tell Logan I say what's up. I will, I will. <laughs> Take care, All man. Right, brother. <laughs> Peace.